Once upon a time, in a meadow near a farm not too far from here, there lived a very, very large number of little bunnies. sunshine and welcome back to the advent calendar house holiday specials podcast where the flow of time is meaningless we're switching gears a bit from talking about christmas too early talking about easter too late as we hop back to 1986 to rewatch the jim henson special the tale of the bunny picnic i am giant mutant farmer who apparently knows a great recipe for a hypoallergenic stew mike westfall and joining me is a woman who answered the Who I'd Like to Meet field of her MySpace profile with Bean Bunny. Please welcome back Emily Rowley. Hey, Emily. Hello. I can't believe you remembered that. I totally remembered that, especially since this was your pick. This was your recommendation to me. So, Yes. I admit I didn't see this one until after Jim Henson was dead. and I believe it ran on Nickelodeon at the time. Do you have an earlier memory of watching this? Um... Wow, Nickelodeon might be it. Like, I felt like I had a memory where I was watching it all the time when I was a child. But then I looked and it was made in 86. I was only four. So I don't know if it's one of those things kind of like the original run of Fraggle Rock where in my memory it was on all the time. But in reality, I was only watching it on like HBO preview weekends. Oh, okay. (laughs) but knowing that it was on Nickelodeon that might have been where it was but yeah I definitely did watch this one as a pretty little kid but I had not watched it in a very very long time it's a weird one because it might have been HBO where you saw it because that's where it debuted March 29th 1986 that puts it three months before the release of Labyrinth so that's where this falls in the Jim Henson timeline folks Uh, but it's the exact opposite aesthetic of grotesque goblin kingdom led by a divine David Bowie. Here we have cute little bunnies who live next to a farm owned by a terrifying giant Muppet farmer. (laughs) So Wikipedia calls this an Easter special. HBO ran it for years at Easter time. For our purposes, it's an Easter special, but it is not at all an Easter special. These aren't Easter bunnies. They are bunnies and it is springtime, but that's it. Yeah, um, again, like, the fragmented memories that I had of it, I definitely had it sort of in the bucket of being an Easter thing. But, yeah, no, there's no reference to Easter or anything, just that it is definitely springtime and they have a picnic. No, and I think they promoted it as sort of an Easter time special. Like, people argue Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie. My reply to that has always been there's more Christmas in Die Hard than there is in Jingle Bells. (laughs) And there's more Christmas in Die Hard than there is Easter in this special, but it's close enough that nobody really cares. And to be fair, you know what else this special isn't about? A bunny picnic. No. We open with them getting ready to have a picnic. They have to postpone the bunny picnic, but the tale of the bunny picnic is really the tale of the journey to get to the bunny picnic. Right. It's the tale of the bunny picnic that didn't actually happen. Right. (laughs) So... Let's talk about Bean Bunny a bit. This is his first appearance, but I think everyone knows him better from other things. My introduction to him, was this your introduction to him? Um, yeah, I think it must have must have been. Oh wow, okay. And I was excited like when he would pop up in other stuff when he got folded into sort of the 
uh, ensemble of the Muppets. Yeah, my introduction to him was on the Jim Henson Hour, where he was a regular on the Muppet television segments. And his purpose on that show was that he was an insufferably cute ratings machine. He was normal. Um, <laughs> but that was the punchline of that, of that particular show. But then he started showing up in every new Muppet thing. He quickly became Poochie. Whenever Bean Bunny's not on screen, all the other characters should be asking, where's Bean Bunny? Uh, he's the main character on Muppet Vision 3D at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Have you been on that? I haven't. I've never been to Disney. Oh. I know. Highly recommend when you go there. It somehow managed to survive, despite being the one thing separating the Star Tours ride and the rest of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Wedged in between there is this Muppet section with that ride, a restaurant called Pizza Rizzo, and nothing else are just hanging in there. But that's one of the last things Jim Henson worked on. So I think and I hope Disney realizes that and is keeping it running based on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad to hear that it's still there. I knew that they had some Muppet content um, at Disney World, but I also knew with all of the other sort of IPs that they've been swallowing in the last yeah. 20 years that the Muppets have like the shine's fallen off except for like, you know, eighties nostalgia nerds like ourselves. Yep. So being with all that, he showed up in Muppet babies very, very late in its run. Yeah. And at this point, he, even among the staff, I think it was Brian Henson who said they love to hate bean bunny backstage. So that's why later after Steve Whitmire took over as Kermit, Bean sort of became a punching bag in the background. He went from being Poochie to being Scratchy. <laughs> See, I don't have any recollection of that. I didn't realize that he was like, you know, the unloved Muppet. I always just thought he was great. But as my secondary memory of him outside of this was um, where he pops up in Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes, that's probably, that's where my kids know him from. That's, I think, where anyone under... 20 knows him from. <laughs> and, and that's the point where I start, all right, well, Steve's doing Kermit now, but let's put Bean in here. He gets wreaths thrown at him, and then every Muppet movie after that, really, Muppets from Space and Treasure Island, he's just kind of the victim of gratuitous Muppet violence in the background, and that's it. Poor little bunny. Yeah. But Great. To, but to get to that point, we have to start here at the Tale of the Bunny Picnic. A story Jim Henson introduced originally, but that introduction never made it to VHS copies. But thank goodness for YouTube. <laughs> Hi there. My name is Jim Henson, and I'd like to tell you just a little bit about the tale of the bunny picnic. Now, the idea for this started one evening when my daughter Cheryl and I were sitting in a park at twilight. And while we were sitting there, a whole big bunch of bunny rabbits came hopping out looking for all the world like they were going to have a meeting or a convention or something. And about that time, a great big dog showed up on the scene. He saw the rabbits. He started barking like mad. The rabbits, of course, disappeared in a flash. Well, Cheryl and I thought it might be fun to make up a story about what had just happened. And from that notion came the tale of the bunny picnic. And here we are. And knowing that's where this came from, this absolutely feels like one of those writing assignments a teacher would give a kid with just a picture or two and say, make up a story about this, but make it 20 pages long. Yeah, I um, 
like I went back and watched obviously the whole special. And then I, you had sent me a link to the Jim Henson intro, which I watched after. And, you know, he sets it up like, let me tell you how this story started. And it's like, oh, we, we saw a rabbit and it ran <laughs> off because we saw a dog. Like, okay. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much what we got. <laughs> that is, and they, they stretched it out to 50 minutes. And again, HBO. So no commercial breaks. Right. But that's still the better part of an hour. And somehow to me, it didn't feel like an hour. Usually I watch these specials and the ones meant to fill an hour feel like they really should have cut it down to 30 minutes. And this could have done well to be a half hour. But at the same time, it didn't feel too long to me. No, I mean, as we talked earlier, like there's not it's, you know, it's economical of plot, but it didn't feel like it was really dragging or like there was anything extraneous stuck in there. No. So, yeah, let's get into it. We open in a meadow village that's home to a very large number of little bunnies. It's like their own little shire as they sing. Hello, sunshine. Oh, I was thinking the same thing, that it was very shire-esque. <laughs> yeah. But as far as Muppet sets go, it's got layers to it, so you can add more of them to the background. It's not super elaborate like Emmett Otter set was, but they're building this huge backdrop with a larger wilderness. It feels cozier. It felt like I was shrinking down to the size of a bunny and entering their world. Yeah, I agree. I, I love it when... Um, Henson would do stuff like this where rather than the Muppets who always existed in our world like they created an entire new like set that the the characters existed within like the background and the foreground and everything it always made me really happy to see sort of the layers of the aesthetic yeah I like being able to like it's a complete escape because you, you'll watch movies like Muppets Take Manhattan and they're in our world and you can see the kind of size differential with everything here. It's very contained and I think that makes it work. Yeah, and the literal book ending of it, you kind of going into the storybook, you you really feel like you have. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot that it's it's bookended with it's some old voice telling a story once upon a time. Yes. Uh, and, bef and before we meet Bean, we meet his older siblings. There's Twitch, his sister, who is performed by Camille Bonora. Bean, we've got to get these picnic decorations up before the storyteller comes. Who was usually a background Muppeteer. It's a lot of, there's a lot of Fraggle Rock influence in this. So it's a lot of background Fraggle Rock characters and foreground ones. But yeah. Camille Bonora did a bunch of one-off characters on Sesame Street, like, here's Meryl Sheep, Camille. Do something <laughs> with that. But for years, uh, she took over for Clementine, Forgetful Jones's darling. So I think that's where I know her best. The voice of Twitch, I didn't recognize offhand until I had looked her up, but it was one of those things where, in my memory of the special, I'd gotten her a little... Twisted, and I thought she was voiced by Karen Prell, who voices one of the other characters. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, we'll get to her in a second. Uh, but speaking of forgetful Jones, Richard Hunt performs Bean's jerk of an older brother, Lugsy. Hop it! Oh, I know, you, you don't want me around because I'm too little, right? Right? No, oh. no, no, it's not because you're too little. No? It's because you're not big enough! Oh. <laughs> There's not much to Twitch's character, but Lugsy's awful from the get-go. Yeah, when I wrote down my, like, previewing thoughts of what I could remember from being a child, the only thing I wrote was, uh, little brother with shitty older siblings, <laughs> which was only half true, as it turned out. Yeah, Twitch is trying to be supportive and 
a good listener to Bean, but Lugsy's just cute bunny version of Buzz from Home Alone is what I wrote down. <laughs> That's very accurate, yes. <laughs> Bean keeps wanting to help get ready for the bunny picnic and keeps getting told he's too little to be useful. This is all Lugsy does throughout most of this. But he has to be all, it's not that you're too little, it's because you're not big enough. Ah! <laughs> But like the McAllister's smallest sibling, Bean's not much better because he immediately turns and gives that same business to Babble, who is the bunny voiced by Karen Perel, doing just a variation of her red fraggle voice. Twitch, if I say it once, I'll say it a thousand times. Those flowers are beautiful, wonderful, in fact, gorgeous, incredible, amazing. Babble! You said it, Babble. <laughs> oh, boy, she certainly did say it, didn't she, Short? <laughs> Right. And also, I associate her with being Maureen the Mink from A Muppet Family oh, Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> this is somewhere in between. Her voice is somewhere in between Red and Maureen. Yeah. Uh, but her deal is she tends to talk too much. Her name is Babel. And then we also meet Snort, who snorts when he laughs. <laughs> uh, but for now, they're just background bunnies who are here for a quick dialogue. Bean goes back to, isn't there anything I can do to help? Yes, leave. So he does, and he goes for a walk in the lettuce patch next door where he starts to sing, I had a dream. I had a dream where the bunnies all thought I was someone. I had a dream where my heart was the king of them all. I'm not really Bean, I'm king of the bunny picnic. Long live the king! Long live the king! And first, here's where I notice Bean's voice isn't quite refined yet. There are times when he sounds like he kind of has a cold. <laughs> yes. But, but it comes and goes throughout the whole special. It's a little weird. I'm chalking it up to brand new character. Lord knows everyone on The Simpsons sounds differently than they did from 30 years ago. So that's fine. Sure. I mean, and even, you know, the Muppets have changed hands at this point so many times that I don't know oh, that yeah. there's a straightforward voice for any of them anymore. No, no. I think Carol Spinney was the last one. So yeah. I think, oh, yeah. oh man. Now I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bean daydreams about being the king of the bunny picnic, and this becomes a regular part of the story. Bean's a daydreamer, but the kind that gets super invested in his daydream. He's like Calvin and Hobbes. Very Muppet Babies-like, these interludes. Yes. Um, gosh, I hadn't thought about that, but Calvin and, and Hobbes is a good example as well. He doesn't seem to do much of anything except get yelled at and then sort of fall into some sort of elaborate fantasy right. in which he's awesome. Yes. So he's wrapped up in that fantasy. I'm the king of the bunny picnic that he almost doesn't notice coming face to face with an angry dog. And it's Jim Henson doing a variation of his Rolf voice, but he's just going bark, 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 bark. And I, for some reason, think bark, bark is hilarious. Yeah, this it's one of those crazy random things that I have held on to, like from this special <laughs> through my whole life is just the idea of a dog going bark, bark, oh, bark, bark, bark. And I didn't know where it was from until I watched this again. Well, he, we, Rolf does do that when he meets Sprocket in Muppet Family Christmas, going back to that. But part of me kind of wishes Jim Henson voiced Sprocket like that. Real life dog. What do you think of that, Sprocky? Bark, bark. 
the dog chases Bean around the lettuce patch. He runs home and hides under his bed and says the dog can't get him under there because I'm not really Bean. This is another part of his daydreams. People will kind of get him to snap out of it. He's like, I'm not Bean. I'm a fire-breathing dragon. Bean's not here. Then who are you? I'm a fire-breathing dragon. <sighs> and I have a new favorite obscure Muppet. It's just Bean, but just his head on a dragon's body breathing fire. Oh, no, I loved it so much. It's a separate Muppet. Like, a dragon had fur on its chest, and then the scale started below that. And it's all one Muppet, and it's half Bean, half Dragon. This was only five seconds of this special, and it was the greatest thing. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And again, it was very, I think, Muppet Babies-esque to put his head, instead of just making a dragon that sounded like him, to put a bunny head on the dragon. Yeah, that's a very good point. And the dragon looked very creature shopish to kind of foreshadow what we would see in Labyrinth later that summer. Sure, yes. Twitch finds him under the bed, and in his pretend dragon voice, he goes, Bean's not here. He almost sounded like Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi before we know it's her in disguise. <laughs> For some reason, that's what I went to. Huh. Or, there is no Bean, only dragon. <laughs> Bean tells him he saw a dog, but Lugsy doesn't believe him because a second ago he said he was a dragon. But Lugsy also informs us that no bunny has seen a dog since before they were born, and this kind of sets up the plot point of no one believes the imaginative child. And I got a vibe similar to Big Bird trying to convince everyone that Mr. Snuffleupagus was real. Right. There's definitely, um, I thought they were going for like a boy who cried wolf thing. Oh, yeah. But it did just occur to me how odd it is, the idea that no one in this giant, because it's established to be a huge community of rabbits, because they're yeah, rabbits. Yeah, well. And none of them have seen a dog. <laughs> like, it's not like, you know, no no one's ever seen a, a dinosaur, just like a, a dog. Just a domesticated dog. No one's seen one in centuries. The legendary majestic dog. <laughs> it was so scary. Uh, well, anyway, this is when their mother calls for them, and we meet the rest of Bean's family. His mother is voiced by Louise Gold, who's another second-tier Muppet performer. Her most notable role is Annie Sue, the other female pig with the curly blonde hair. Do you remember her? I only have faint memories of her existing. I don't... It's one of those things where, like, I can almost see the image, but I have no actual memory of anything that she did. Right. She's just... Piggy's rival, but she doesn't mean to be. It's one of those deals. Ah, sure. Because, of course, Miss Piggy needs a rival. Uh, And Bean's dad is very much Kevin Clash doing a variation of his Hoots the Owl voice, but less grovelly and more fatherly, I guess. Oh, here they are! Oh, bunnies, we've looked everywhere. Yes, and the one thing that we know about the father is, despite them having never seen dogs, the father is terrified of them. Yeah, he... Bean doesn't want to go back outside because there's a dog and dad gets really upset. And it's almost like a PTSD moment, except no one's ever seen a dog before. Right. Which is strange. So I don't know if it's just before the kids were born or if he just heard enough nightmares about this 
legendary dog that it sets him off every time. This is another ongoing thing. There's a dog out there. Dog? Did you say dog? 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 There's no dog. No dog. No dog. No dog. No dog. No dog. Oh. It's weird that this is the part that gets real for me. <laughs> yeah, they have to like talk him down every time he hears the word. Yeah, it's up to Lugsy to calm down his dad. And the cute Muppet Bunny special felt a tiny bit too real. Um, yes. So dad asked the kids to go get some pickled parsnips from their great, 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 great grandmother who is still alive because they're bunnies. And bunnies like to make more bunnies to that point. There's also a baby bunny here. So Bean's not the youngest sibling. That's another ongoing thing. They make bunny jokes. Yes. But... Bean reluctantly goes along to get the parsnips. Meanwhile, we cut back to the dog and we discover he's the victim of an abusive and downright scary looking farmer performed by Martin Robinson. So he sounds like angry Southern telly monster, but really angry and really unnerving. Now, the only reason I dragged you out of that dump this morning and fed your miserable body was to get rid of those rabbits. You understand? Yeah, this was another, like, one of the recollections that I had from watching it as a child was being so scared of the farmer, but I didn't recall that it was, like, a full-body puppet. I only remember sort of the legs coming into the screen, into the scene, and that first scene with the dog. Yeah. And I think that in my head, like, that's all we ever see is, like, the, it's sort of a nanny thing. Okay. The legs and hear the, like, very scary voice, but we never cut back to show the whole guy. I feel like they tried to blur that line because what we do see of the farmer's upper half is almost like they use some lighting tricks. So it was darkened out. So you can't really see the details of his face. We can make out maybe a mustache under his hat, but probably for the better because every human sized Muppet that's supposed to be human, like, flesh tone not six feet in pink but they're all disturbing by design i'm thinking have you seen the muppet musicians of bremen i have not okay well all the all the humans in that they're all bad guys so of course they're supposed to be ugly looking i guess so actually i think this one might have been repurposing one of those but i i'm not sure gotcha but we don't really get to see the farmer's face yeah, I mean, at first, I mean, until the end of that first scene that he's in, I didn't even realize that it was like a puppet on the top half. I, I thought they had one uh, live action character. And only at the end, when he sort of walks away, I'm like, oh, no, that's <laughs> that's not what they're doing. That's a creepy Muppet. But, oh, I didn't even think about the possibility of watching this as a child. Yeah, I'm sure this would have been kind of nightmarish almost. But... Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was... I was a scared little kid anyway, but yeah, the, <laughs> the mean farmer did it for me. Yeah. Uh, the other notable trait about the farmer is that he sneezes a lot because we find out later he's allergic to bunnies. So of course he wants to rid his farm of them, but he also wants the dog to catch them and make a stew out of them. I'm not sure that's a great idea. If you're allergic to an animal, maybe eating them shouldn't be so high on your to-do list, farmer. I did. I did wonder about that. Um, because it's not like even that he says, you know, go kill rabbits. He literally says, here's a bag. Please bring me carcasses. Right. Bring the thing I'm allergic to back so I can cook it. E. 
maybe not the best idea, but... Is he allergic to just the rabbits or also the dog? It might have been both. I think the dog clarifies later that bunnies make him sneeze, but... So I think at first, as I'm watching this, I'm like, is he allergic to that dog? Get rid of the dog, man. Right, well, they had established when they talk about how, you know, it's been so long since they have seen a dog. It's that the farmer doesn't like dogs, and that's why they live there. Right. Which I took to be, you know, he, because he has pet allergies, which, you know, farming seems like the wrong line of work in general. Yeah. But, like, that's why he hadn't had a dog up to that point. Right. But here's this dog, and he's very threatening to it, and also mentions... If you catch me a bunny, maybe I'll even give you a name. That's how little he cares about this dog. Yeah, I was, it's very sad. It like, he just is. found this random dog on the street and was like, you know, I'll feed you and name you if you kill things for me. <laughs> yeah. But it also sets up an ongoing joke for the dog. I'll catch that bunny or my name isn't and whatever it is. Whatever it is. That's the joke Jim Henson keeps repeating a few times in this special. And that maybe is the one time when I feel like, okay, maybe this could have been a half hour, guys. <laughs> I kind of liked the idea of him uh, not knowing what his name was. There's another semi-running joke with the dog that they get it like that doesn't pop up until about halfway through that we can get into that i thought worked less well than him having no name and being unaware of his name i hope i remember to write a note about that because it's <laughs> blanking but we'll get there so so bean and his older siblings arrive at their great 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 grandmother's house jokes about her having lots of babies and grandbabies and sue and also she's making a sleeping potion is she supposed to be a witch too um, I took, well, not explicitly a witch, but just sort of a, you know, a granny witch in that way that all old country women are. Yeah. Like, not a bad witch. She's a good witch. Um, it seems a bit out of nowhere that, oh, also, there's sleeping potion. Well, let me rephrase. She's working on a sleeping slash hopping potion intended to provide a good night's sleep, but also get you hopping out of bed in the morning, which I could really use right about now. Uh, Grandma Bunny's little helper. Yeah. <laughs> and she's only perfected the first part of it. So it's just a sleeping potion right now. Right. So Great Grandma decides to accompany the bunnies home. But they have to rouse Bean, who just had to sample the sleeping potion. He starts to follow them back, but falls asleep again. And then we cut back to the dog so we can sing a song about bunnies too. A mighty hunter's hunting for enemies. Beware all bunnies, cause he never ever says please. He's gonna get you if you'll come play peekaboo. Run, bunny, run. Let's have some fun. You're gonna be a bunny stew. <laughs> I'll turn him into bunny stew. So I have to say, like, you can tell me what you thought. I didn't find the music in this special particularly inspiring. Um, but the dog song was the one that I thought had a little oomph to it. And there's one more later, but this song, yeah, this one had some oomph to it. And it has a lot to do with Jim Henson. But this one actually reminded me a lot of Sweetums had a song in The Frog Prince, if you remember that one. I don't remember the song. I do remember, I mean, I remember the Frog Prince, but yeah. not specifically Sweetums' song. He basically is just, it's less of a song in Sweetums' 
talking to music where he's just, Sweetums, get that froggy now! Okay, that is, that's pinging me, yeah. Yeah, uh, and it, it, this is basically the same idea with this Bunny Stew song. There was one great lyric in the Run Bunny Ron song that I wrote down, which is that he was going to be sneaky, like greased plastique. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Greased plasticine. <laughs> it's like, wow. That's a grown up joke. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny that Jim gave himself the only good song. <laughs> well, the dog finally spots Bean sort of half sleepwalking back home, and the dog decides to follow him from a distance back to the bunny village to catch all of them. But Bean falls asleep again, so the dog decides, ever vigilant, I will watch that bunny until he wakes up, which causes the dog to fall asleep on duty. But here, if this was a much worse story, is where it would end. Bean falls asleep, dog catches him, farmer puts him in a stew, and somehow isn't allergic to cooked bunny. But, no, we have another half hour to fill. Well, more than that, actually. We're not even halfway yet, but... After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah. McDonald's presents gifts your kids will love. Holiday Huggable Muppet Babies. You can get your kids Baby Kermit or Baby Fozzie or Baby Piggy for a limited time only. They're soft and huggable at a special low price with any McDonald's food purchase. Muppet Babies at our place. Holiday gifts at a special low price. Good night, Baby Piggy. Holiday Huggable Muppet Babies. Only at McDonald's for a limited time. So hurry on in. We now return to our show. Meanwhile, back in the Bunny Village... The Storyteller Bunny has arrived for the picnic, Gandalf-style, in a sort of covered circus wagon is what I thought it was. But then when I'm watching it again, it's a tricycle. I kind of want one. One, two, three, and here we go. Time to start the story show. Stories hot and stories cold. Stories new and nine days old. Sing about a cow that flew up above the sky of blue and a few. Yeah, like he's pedaling, but then it has like a, a big uh, caravan on the back of it. Yeah. Because as I'm typing out my notes, I was, wait, was he, did he have the world's tiniest horse? And then I had to go watch it again. No, it's a tricycle. I was like, oh, that's cool. I want that. Yeah, it was super cool. Uh, there's a mare bunny whose entire purpose is to officially declare the bunny picket picnic officially underway, officially. And they named the Mare Bunny Mare Bunny Part, a Napoleon joke that's just wasted here. He's not that kind of mayor. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it until just now, in part because I wasn't positive until I looked at the credits what his last name was, because I was hearing Mare Bunny Fart. <laughs> it seemed a little juvenile. They don't normally go for the easy joke like that, but I was like, what? That would have been a better name. <laughs> I mean, but now that you pointed out the joke, I, I kind of dig it. I like fun. Yeah. But this is not a Napoleonic mare by any means, but. No, he's, uh, I mean, he's sort of the typical Henson-esque, like. Yeah. Highfalutin gentleman of society. Yeah. Who likes to make proclamations, the link hogthrob type. 
And that's his only area of expertise. It is my official duty as mayor officially to declare the bunny picnic officially started. <laughs> Bowler hat and a vest. Yeah. Uh, but the performer here is Mike Quinn, who's a puppeteer behind Nia Numb of Return of the Jedi and the Star Wars sequels. Okay. Uh, the storyteller is Ron Muick, who was also Ludo from Labyrinth. Yeah. But his Wikipedia page doesn't mention that. I have to dig that up from Muppet Wiki. Since the 90s, he's worked mainly as a sculptor. Nothing about his work with Henson in the Creature Shop or anything. But it's just weird that it's not there. Oh, interesting. I was a little surprised by the storyteller's voice because, I mean... You expect him to be this Gandalf-esque kind of guy, and he's he's very Gomer Pyle-esque. Yeah! Oh, that's a good comparison now that you say that, but the storyteller didn't strike me as much of a storyteller. No, he didn't. I mean, there was a story, but he didn't tell a story. He did a puppet show. He did, uh, and not in the very grand style like you, I was expecting, but... He tells an extremely short story, too, about a fox who liked to eat hedgehogs until he met a giant hedgehog who promises not to hurt him because those who hurt others hurt themselves. Foreshadowing. <laughs> yes, it was like the world's shortest Aesop. <laughs> yeah, it was. But during this story is when Bean runs back to the village trying to get everyone to quiet down or the dog will hear them. Emily, have you seen the movie Trolls? The New movie with the trolls? Mm-hmm. No. There's a part in that movie that's basically this. The trolls have a dance party, and that attracts this giant chef who wants to cook them for her town. This is that to a T. And I'm not saying trolls ripped off obscure Tale of the Bunny Picnic, but that scene is the same as this one to anyone who's listening and knows what I'm talking about. Only when the dog comes running into the bunny village, he doesn't catch any of the bunnies. They all scatter. Okay, not to get off track, but... Please, get off track. <laughs> I just want to... Like, so there's a plot point in the Trolls movie of a, a chef who wants to eat the trolls. So the deal with the movie is the giants are called Bergens. They are never happy. They're like depressed giants and they believe the only way that they can feel happiness is to eat trolls huh it's kind of dark yeah it gets kind of dark but but for the <laughs> most part it's it's a cute little kids flick yeah i hadn't seen it i knew about the sequel because uh i knew about the mcelroy brothers and their quest to be in it but I oh seen really it. <laughs> yeah last thing they they had like one line in the movie or something oh neat I'll have to go check that out now. It's probably streaming soon. Yeah. They un unsurprisingly, they made a podcast about it. Oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> uh, but this scene with the dog coming in is finally, we get to the scene Jim Henson and his daughter saw at the park almost exactly halfway through this. It took them 25 minutes to set up the scene they actually saw in the park, which I thought was funny. I was actually surprised that it happened this way because I was sure that it was going to be an entire movie of like Bean running into the dog, running away from the dog, telling people he saw a dog, nobody believing he saw a dog. So the fact that like midpoint, they're like, oh shit, there's a dog. 
I was actually surprised by that. Yeah, I think I think you were right about this. This looked like they were setting up a boy who cried wolf thing, and I thought they were going to do that again. But no, here comes the dog. Bark, bark. Uh, and then all the bunnies are now stuck inside their homes while the dog sits and waits outside. And oh no, the bunny special just accidentally got topical. The dog's name is coronavirus. <laughs> They're, all the bunnies are quarantined. If only the farmer was coughing instead of sneezing. Oh, God. Ugh. It, it feels the same. Mom and dad are singing their kids a bunny lullaby. Bunny, go high and hush your Bunny, go low in the soft evening sky. Bunny, show high. Trying to keep things as normal as possible. We did not plan this. Wow. But just like a bunch of terrible curve flatteners, once the parents leave the room, Bean, Lugsy, and Twitch immediately get up and sneak out, deciding it's up to them to scare away the dog. Bean has a plan, so they round up their friends, blabber and snort from earlier. Uh, and also Bulbous, guess what his character trait is, kids? And Bebop, a sunglasses-wearing, scat-talking bunny, also voiced by Kevin Clash. Hey! Hey, look, Bob the Eggsy! What do you think it is? Yeah, Bebop had shown up um, out of nowhere in the song right before the storyteller shows up, and I just wrote down, random 80s bunny, question mark. <laughs> yep. He's got on like a skinny tie and a Miami Vice blazer. <laughs> I didn't notice the Miami Vice blazer, but yeah, that's exactly it. That's his character. And he's got something be bop a diddly dop. What are we doing? <laughs> that was almost like Wolfman Jack. It was now. <laughs> this is the tale of the bunny picnic. <laughs> So they're working on building something. We can't tell at first. And again, despite Bean being right about the dog, Lugsy keeps pushing him away, saying he's too little to help. Bean wants to use the sleeping potion on the dog, but Lugsy steps in and decides, I'm going to be the hero and do it. And this is when Bean snaps and repeatedly shouts that he hates his brother. And I really wish this part was more effective. But it's a bean buddy snap, so even when he's super angry, he's just cute, adorable bean throwing a tiny baby fit. You're just a little bunny. I'll go to Granny's. You know something, Lugsy? I don't care if you are my brother. I hate you. I do, I do, I do, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Yes, he was far too cute to sell his searing hatred. Yeah. I see what they were trying to do. They wanted to set up the be careful what you wish for scenario, because Lugsy immediately comes out of his hiding place, gets caught by the dog, sprays the sleeping potion at the dog, but it's Lugsy who passes out from it. Well, actually, I think they both do. It knocks them both out now that I think about it, but they decide this is the time to act. So the bunny set up what they were building, a giant patchwork Trojan bunny. And this thing is a beautiful mess. It's so terrifying. And this is the closest it gets to being an actual Easter special because it looks like the most nightmarish mall bunny you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad that my wife and I are in agreement that just we never have to meet the Easter bunny at the mall. Santa, sure, we'll 
take them to visit Santa because he's got a human face. I've never seen an Easter bunny I've liked. No, I mean, it's like you said, like Santa is like, even if you are like, well, you know, that's not the real Santa. It's still a dude who can probably, you know, talk to Santa, send him an email. Right. But with Easter bunny, like it's so like, even at a small age, like that's, that's a guy in a suit. Yeah. That's not what rabbits look like. But it's never a good suit. It's always like Times Square Elmo quality. Oh. <laughs> but, well, and this is the quality of this giant Trojan bunny. He's got the mismatched eyes. His teeth are crooked. He's the cutest kind of hideous. And most importantly, he towers over this dog who is terrified, and rightly so. But it's Jim Henson as a dog, so he's saying out loud, Oh, whimper, whimper, cower, cower. Oh, oh, whimper, whimper, whimper. Oh, please don't hurt me, giant bunny. The giant bunny, just to go back a second. Sure. Even though it was like a complete grotesque, you know what it reminded me of is, did you ever have one of those toys when you were a kid called a Puffalump? I didn't, but I know what you're talking about. Wow, I forgot all about Puffalumps. Yeah, like they were little stuffed animals. A lot of them were rabbits and they were kind of made of like a parachute material. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think my sister had one now that I'm actually looking them up. Yeah, she had a pink one. There it is. Yeah, my and I had a couple of them and they have stuck in my mind in part because like I occasionally sell stuff on eBay and they go for huge money. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sorry, I had to like type puffalumps because I want to link to that. Yeah, the giant rabbit looks very much like, you know, the kid that wanted a puffalump, but instead they're like, well, your great aunt will just sew you on. Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, it does now that you mention that. Well, all the bunnies inside this giant puffalump bunny are piled on top of each other. It was supposed to be Lugsy on the top because, of course, it was. But Twitch decides Bean needs to be the one at the top, being the voice of the giant bunny, because he's the smallest and the lightest, and it was his plan to begin with. So finally, he gets his his moment to be the voice of the giant bunny. So he tells the dog the same thing as the giant hedgehog from the story earlier. I'm Mr. Giant Bunny to you, and I won't hurt you, and do you know why? No, why, Mr. Giant Bunny? Because those who hurt others hurt themselves. Well, those who hurt others hurt themselves? Oh, that's profound. So let that bunny go. Oh, do I have to? Now! The dog reluctantly frees Lugsy and mutters, I was supposed to put you in a stew. And that freaks out Bean now, who loses his balance and the whole giant bunny topples over. They had done it. They'd won. And then, like, the after effect idea that they could have wound up in a soup and he just, like, loses his cool. Dog realizes it was a trick and goes after them again, but freezes when he hears the farmer coming. And that's when Bean realizes the dog's afraid of the farmer. Well, yeah, farmer said he was going to kill the dog if he didn't catch a bunny. Bean tells the dog to hide, and this whole time the farmer's sneezing. And I think here is when the dog explains bunnies make him sneeze something terrible. And that gives Bean the idea to stand up to the farmer, and now... It's the big, abusive farmer who's afraid, telling Bean, stay away from me. Bean calls out the other bunnies to come out, and if he can do it, so can they. So, And here comes the epic song of the special that I thought. It's called Drum of Time. When you stand all alone 
And you feel the weight of zero in your bones When the wrong just goes on And the fight is like a night without a dawn There's a voice you will hear It will tell you what is right in spite of fear And the voice is a drum it will lead you to your courage. It will tell your friends to come. When you Thoughts on this song? Um, it was a very sort of lame Miz moment, wasn't it? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I wrote. I'm like, this is like, do you hear the people sing out of nowhere? Yes. <laughs> All the bunnies gather together and stand up against this giant farmer. The song itself is very reminiscent of something we'd hear out of Fraggle Rock but cranked up to Les Mis. It's a lot of the same team working on this too, but I loved this part. Yeah, I mean, it sounds weird to say staging with his puppets, but the way that they all sort of converge on the farmer is very different from anything else in the special, but it really worked. It did. Uh, He continues to back away scared until finally his pants fall down. Oh, that's another running detail throughout this. Every time the farmer has a sneezing fit, he loses a button on, I guess, his pants. I didn't think it was clear. Here it's clear they fall down, causing all the bunnies to laugh. And he runs away, and we get the closest thing we'll ever get to a Jim Henson-approved Muppet butt shot. (laughs) Yes, his long johns are showing. Oh, were they long johns? I didn't... I thought it was supposed to be, like, his actual legs, and it was a butt shot for a sec. (laughs) I I think I think he had like long johns on, but they were pretty fleshy. Yeah, that makes more sense now that you mention it. You decide. (laughs) Well, well, Lugsy finally tells Bean that that was wonderful. And though he's little on the outside, he's one big hero on the inside. The dog apologizes for trying to catch them and then realizes he's now effectively homeless. Uh, but Bean invites him to live with them in their village. Very mid-80s ending. It was like, Sloth, you're going to live with me now. Right. I should have named the dog Sloth. But no, Bebop gives the dog a name, and it's D-Dop diddly dog bop Well, how about if we call you D-Dop diddly dog bop Well, that's Mr. D-Dop diddly dog bop to you. Yeah, I made sure to write that one down. Yeah, I I needed to make sure that, okay, I need to say this right because I'm not going to get it right unless I see it in print. But that's it. We end with our narrator, who's old Grandpa Bean, telling his grandkids this story. The dog's there, too. They're both old with glasses now. And Universal school for oldness. Yes. <laughs> And one kid asks, well, what about the bunny picnic? And that's when I realized, hey, yeah, I forgot this story was supposed to be about a picnic. We barely see a picnic. Yeah, no, the pic- they never got to the picnic because I guess it starts when the storyteller shows up and then presumably they eat afterwards. But- I guess we don't even see it. They sing again at the end there. We get from gra- all we get from Grandpa Bean is it was the best bunny picnic ever. And then we just reprise the theme song and roll the credits and they just sing their way to the actual picnic. We never see it! Nope. No picnicking. Oh well. What an odd but adorable little thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's slight, but it's still got a lot of charm to it. 
Oh, we never circled back to it, but the the other dumb running joke with the dog is how he kept uh, confusing like body parts. Oh, that's right. Oh, what was it? He said he was gonna sink his eyes into dinner and uh, close his teeth or something. Yeah. Oh, the one I remember now that he's like sniffing around while the story's going on. Well, it's after the story, and they're all cheering, and Bean's trying to quiet everybody down. He's going, sniff, 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 and then he stops, and he hears them, and he goes, do my knees deceive me? And there's one where he's, like, sticking his face down into the bunny hole trying to get in, and I think it's Bebop again, who just sort of rails off and, like, smacks him, and he goes flying backwards. Yeah. And he's, like, uh, rubbing his nose, but he's like, oh, my toe. My toe. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, we all know what happened to Bean Bunny. He turned to the Muppet Scrappy-Doo until he just faded away. But today, you can visit Bean Bunny in Atlanta at the Center for Puppetry Arts, where he has lived since 2015. Apparently, also on display there are the great-great-great-great-grandmother Muppet, the Storyteller Bunny, and the Dragon Bunny Puppet is there. Ah. Oh. The, the puppetry center in Atlanta has been on my bucket list for a while, but man, that really makes me want to go. Yeah, well, and Emin Otter and his mom currently live there, too. I've never been to the place. I need to go someday, too. Uh, but my friend Carlin from the now dearly departed Nerd Lunch podcast has been there. He's got a video tour of it. I am linking that in the show notes, which are at adventcalendar.house. And Emily, if people want to daydream about you being a dragon from the waist down, where can they find you online? Um, well, you can go to my Instagram at MLE Rally if you want to see pictures of my plants or my dog. Uh, that's kind of it. And I'm on Twitter at Advent Cal House. Emily, thank you again for recommending this one. Always happy to talk to you. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you. Well, our countdown to Christmas in July continues in a couple days. For now, for Emily, from inside a giant patchwork version of myself, this is Mike Westfall saying, watch out for the lettuce patch. It's iceberg lettuce. Funny, honey, gunny, wunny, bunny, bye, everyone. I have to write that last one, too. I I like I kept listening to because I that was one of the things I remembered was them yelling that when they would like run out of rooms, but I couldn't get a good enough grip on what they were saying. I finally got it. It took the one where where Granny was there too, because she talked a little more slowly and she's like, "Funny, honey, gunny, wunny, bunny, hi." <laughs> That's actually pretty good, Grandma. <laughs> I could be a Muppet performer. I just need to learn how to puppet. The Advent Calendar House is part of the Christmas Podcast Network, located conveniently at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Greetings, holiday shoppers. I'm Joseph Wade, and I host a podcast called Christmas Creeps. My band of merry mischief makers and I dissect holiday movies and specials all year round in search of the true meaning of Christmas. So whether you can't resist the urge to watch Home Alone in June, or you worship at the altar of mutant killer snowmen, Christmas Creeps is the podcast for the Grinch in all of us. Check us out at christmascreeps.com or wherever you download podcasts. Next time on the Advent Calendar House... We don't think they can hear.
Zero, a rocket ship away. This 